Well, like I said a little bit ago, Christmas uh, is really soon, like coming really fast. And I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like, especially as Christmas gets closer, that this kind of anxiety level starts to go up just a little bit? And, and you start thinking, if you're like me, wow, this is going to be really hard to actually keep my focus on like Jesus for Christmas because there's so much other stuff. There's so much other pressure that goes on between family and friends and gifts and decorating and work and all this stuff. And so part of what we come on Sunday mornings here to do, especially in these four Sundays of Advent, is that we um, give ourselves just this time to hit the pause button. Just to take a pause, because even if the rest of life is a little insane, we want to be here and at least pause and remember, uh, even for a moment, that the reason for Christmas is that it's all about Jesus, which can be really hard to remember, right? I mean, all you have to do when you get home is turn on the TV, watch the game, whatever you're watching, you're going to start seeing crazy commercials that are trying to get you to buy stuff, more and more stuff. Um, I've always thought, like, you see the luxury car parked, you know, with a big bow wrapped around it. I've always thought, that is ridiculous. Who would actually, like, nobody buys a car for Christmas, right? I would be wrong about that because Jim, who um, until recently was serving both as a pastor and working at a very high-end car dealership. Oh, yeah, they sold lots and lots of cars on Christmas Eve. And we're talking really nice, really nice cars. And, and it just makes me start thinking about, wow, the crazy push where that's for some people that have the means, I guess, that's kind of almost normal. And for the rest of us, the advertising just encourages us to spend, 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 spend. And the problem with spending and spending lots of, different, uh, lots of money on different things to buy gifts for people, one of the problems around that is that Christmas is over and many of us, maybe even most of us, sometimes go, wow, I really overspent. And suddenly this thing that was supposed to be the gift of Christmas is now, uh, you know, the <clears throat> ungift of debt, <laughs> uh, which leads to a whole host of other problems that can spiral out of control. And you trace it back to Christmas and giving and spending. And when it gets out of control, and I know I sound a little scroogey here, I'm sorry, but, but, but um, <laughs> when it does get out of control, it's really sad that where Christmas goes can be exhaustion, pressure, and stress, which again is a big part of why we are conspiring, is the word we're using, conspiring here at Hope to turn this season upside down. We're, we're encouraging all of us this year, even maybe just a little bit, because we'll probably do something similar next year, because it takes baby steps, but just this year, maybe just do something a little different with your Christmas season, and maybe, maybe we can avoid some of that overwhelm, some of that pressure, some of the debt, uh, some of the exhaustion. And in fact, we are joining in with a movement of what has become hundreds and hundreds of churches now. It's been building for a decade, and it's called Advent Conspiracy. And the idea behind Advent Conspiracy, as we've been talking about the last couple weeks, uh, there's kind of four big ideas, uh, four big tenets to uh, Advent Conspiracy. It's built on these four ideas, and just a quick recap here. The first week, uh, the, idea, the big idea was for us to worship fully. 
To enter into Christmas, we want to worship fully, which uh, reminds us that Christmas begins and ends with Jesus. If we keep that in focus, it it helps us to reframe how we do the rest of Christmas. So that was first week. Last week, uh, Pastor Jim knocked it out of the park and did great, and uh, he talked about spending less. That's the second kind of big idea, to spend less, and Jim really gave us some, you know, permission, I think, to, to start wondering about all this pressure of overspending on things that we don't need and, and pressure to buy stuff that people just kind of forget pretty quickly anyway, right? And instead of becoming enslaved to debt because of, you know, celebrating Christmas, we could actually spend less, And by spending less, there's a residual effect that we might actually have some resources to financially support some things that really matter because we haven't blown it all on other stuff. So, again, worship fully, uh, spend less, and now the big idea number three for this week is give more. Give more. Now, (laughs) seems to be a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it, right? Last week... You know, Jim and I didn't get in a fight here where he said, I'm going to talk about spend less. And then I said, well, you're wrong. We're going to talk about give more. Um, that might happen someday, but not yet. Uh, that was actually the plan here. And if you're hearing me talk about this, you might be wondering like, okay, dude, what kind of math is Doug working with here, right? Good thing that Doug doesn't handle the money around here. Like spend less, give more. Like how does that work? Uh, and don't worry, we'll get to that in depth pretty quickly here. But, but first thing I want to do is just a little interaction here, just a little pop quiz. In fact, um, Gary, can I have the microphone? Oh, there it is. It's right there. I'm going to ask a question. What is the most memorable gift you have received last Christmas? I'm going to put you on the spot. You've got five seconds. Mike. I'm going I'm to waste five seconds. Sorry, I don't know. Oh, he doesn't have it. All right. You've had 10 seconds now. Okay, tell me, what's the best, most meaningful gift you got last Christmas? Her. You got her for Christmas. Did he get you for Christmas last year? Yeah, every yeah? year. Every year, okay. He's this quick-thinking, smart man. The longer I give the men on this, the more they're going to come up with something. Uh, Pete, how about you? What would you get last Christmas? Most meaningful gift? Affirmation that my son was a follower of Christ. I love it. See, I love it. I love it. And especially, I think these are the two most common things when we start thinking about this, because... First thing, I would be like Mike. First, I picked on Mike because we've been friends a long time. Uh, He's even sitting in the spit zone. So, um, but I would have had the same answer. You put me on the spot, I'd have gone, "Um, uh, and I asked some people this question this week, and it's really hard to remember. Last year, was it? What was it? Especially if we're thinking of like a tangible gift. But this is good, right? You thought of something, a relationship. Pete, you thought of a Christmas gift, not the present under the tree, but of something that went deeper in the giving. And here's the deal. But we spent, we spent lots of time out trying to buy gifts, right? We spend lots of money to buy gifts. But then the truth is a lot of us don't remember, and the people we give it to, frankly, don't remember what we got them last year. So I just want to go, well, wait a minute. Is that a great idea? Like for us to get all this anxiety, all this feverish spending built up to buy our kids and family members to go out and buy all these presents if we can't remember a physical gift that we got last year like that quickly. Which raises another question where I'm going to have you now talk to somebody next to you for a couple minutes. Um, And the question's on the screen here. Discuss this for a minute. Where do we get this whole Christmas gift-giving idea from anyway? So go ahead and talk to each other for a minute or two here. Kind of throw some guesses out there. Where does that thing come from?
If you haven't had a chance to say what you think, switch people. Five, four, three, two, one, switch. The other person, give your thoughts about this. All right, we've exhausted this pretty well. And now we're asking for the gifts that we want from people we don't even know, right? Okay, um, let's start over here. All right, what was, you know, where, where does this whole Christmas gift giving thing come from? Anybody over here have some, some good answers, thoughts? The wise men, Santa. All right, thank you, Jim. Could have counted on that. It's good. Bruce isn't here, so you had, that was your obligatory. Uh, anybody over here? Uh, where does the whole Christmas gift giving thing come from? Anybody have a different answer than that? What's that? Marketers. Yep, yep. Anybody over here? What about corporate America? 19th, exactly, very specifically correct. Very good, very good. Anybody else? Where does the gift giving of Christmas stuff come from? Anybody else? Something new? You'll have to do an article on that for us. That's good. Write that up in the, in the Republic. We've got our, our, our real reporter right back here. Well, and here's the deal. Those are all actually uh, very true, right? You know? I'm glad I figured somebody was going to say, you know, Jesus, right? So, so, you know, it's church. We thought we'd get that one. But, um, and the Santa one, that's actually, actually a pretty good answer because, um, you know, sometimes people might be afraid to say his name in church, right? Santa, like, right? Um, especially around Christmas. But, but maybe next year we'll actually take some time and look at the story of St. Nick, a real person who lived back in the 300s. He was a pastor. He was, uh, ended up being a bishop in the church uh, near Turkey, and he um, was a follower of Jesus. So you could say, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, and he loved Jesus, and he loved giving gifts in the name of Jesus. So we can look at that one, because that's actually, you know, it went somewhere different eventually, but the origins of this are really, really good. And I think the thing that we most of the time land on, um, besides the very true consumerism, um, is Christmas gifts, because even before it got way out of control, people used to give each other simple gifts at Christmas, and it was connected to remembering what the wise men had done. So look at Matthew chapter 2, we just see a brief snapshot of the wise men, the magi, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, so gift giving at Christmas, generally today, we, we talk about it being because of the wise men, even though, you know, they came a year and a half or two later. But, but still, a couple things even... And again, I'm not trying to be Scrooge here. I just want us to read the Bible fairly objectively. So you even look at this. Um, these were pretty expensive gifts. Two things. One, pretty expensive, right? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. I mean, those are fairly expensive gifts. Um, and two, and this is the one, I know this is going to ruin Christmas for somebody, but the, they actually gave the gifts to who? To, to Jesus. Huh, weird. Not to each other in front of Jesus, right? You know, it wasn't like, hey, Nez, I got this really, you know, sweet gold doohickey for your saddle, and it's totally going to trick out your camel here. It's going to be so cool, right? That's not what happened. 
The gifts weren't given to each other in front of Jesus. They were given to Jesus. And again, I don't want to be a Scrooge here because I do think it's, I think it's appropriate. I think we can honor Jesus by giving gifts to one another. Um, because giving gifts and generosity is a very good, it's a very meaningful thing to do. Being generous is a good thing. And when we are thoughtful about giving gifts, we can spend less money, right? So we can stay out of the whole bondage of debt and consumerism and too much and excess. We can spend less. We really can do what Jim talked about last week. We can actually spend less. But if we're thoughtful and creative, we could still give more. We don't have to look at the excess and freak out and, you know, like the the Puritans did back in, you remember the Puritans, what do they have, like the kind of the funky hats and the white, you know what the Puritans looked like, right? Yeah, so back in 1645, no, 45, they actually canceled Christmas in England that year because it had been, Christmas got lost in, you know, drunkenness and all kinds of excess, and it's a true story. They actually canceled Christmas. No wonder they, you know, drove them out of England. But um, Christmas gets off track, right? It has for... Many, many different reasons, many different ways. It's nothing new. But I want to say, instead of being the kind of people that would try to cancel Christmas or, or just act like we're above it all, let's see if we can steal it back. Like, let's steal it back. Instead of being co-opted by consumerism or exhaustion, uh, let's do this idea of Advent conspiracy where, we're, where we want to steal back some of the joy of Christmas. We're not just trying to be against stuff. We want to be for things. We want to say, okay, then let's worship fully. Let's, let's spend less. Let's give more. And next week, we're going to talk about loving all. And this week, as we talk about what it looks like to give more, I want to kind of sync it up with how it could be that we could really spend less and still give more. Uh, Because a logical question, when you hear that thought, would be, well, okay, how does that work? How does that work? How do we spend less but still give more? And one of the pastors that came up with the kind of original Advent conspiracy ideas 10 years years or so ago, he said that this little spot right here where we're at... um, This is where it gets really tricky for people. Actually, he said some people get really irritated about this idea of spending more while giving less. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Spending less while giving more, right? How do you give more without spending more money? In fact, it could actually feel a little bit intimidating because if I start thinking about how I'm going to give, you know, someone a gift, but I'm going to spend less... You know, I might have to decide that, you know, I'm not going to buy Uncle Charlie that giant cheese log that he's not supposed to be eating anyway, right? Now I'm going to have to come up with something creative. I'm going to have to get creative, which, you know, again, you know, some of us hear the word creative and we're like, oh man, if I have to be creative, does that mean I have to go out and like buy a hot glue gun and some glitter and like a, a bedazzle kit, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, yes, and I'm going to make that for Bruce right there, but don't tell him because he's not here today. Uh, like, is that what creative means? I mean, we have to be all crafty. Because um, if it does, and you're anything like me, then it's just, it's just way too hard, right? If being creative means doing stuff like that, then forget it. I'm just going to get on my phone on Amazon right now and just start clicking through my Prime account and buy everybody's gifts and have it over with. Even if it remembers, nobody remembers Uh, even if it means that nobody remembers what I gave them in a few weeks from now. So, um, and and I guess there's probably somebody here that would really like to have that bedazzle, you know, pillowcase or something. But, But when I'm talking about being creative, I don't mean like crafty creative. Those of you that are good at that, 
You have a leg up here. But for those of us that don't, I'm just talking about being creative in terms of being unique in how we give a gift to someone. And I think that the relational gift ideas that we put at the back there, there's still some back there as well, just relational gift ideas that are printed out, those can help us. You don't even have to do exactly what's on there, but it could give you some ideas about how to do this. One idea that I read about from the Advent Conspiracy was that there's, there's a family that what they decided they would do to be creative in their giving, they wanted to sit with the grandparents and ask the grandparents questions from specific decades, right? Like, okay, Grandpa, tell us about the 40s and tell us about the 50s. I wonder if they did the 60s. That could be weird, but... Um, you know, Grandpa, Grandma, tell us about your childhood, right? Uh, tell us about your first job. And what this family did was that they decided to record their grandparents and have audio recordings of them telling the story. And one of the beautiful things about a gift like that is that they're learning the legacy of their family. That they're, they're, the heritage of their faith is coming out. They're hearing the questions that, that concern the grandparents about what's coming um, and they're gaining wisdom from their grandparents. I mean, I thought, again, you can go any direction with this stuff, but that is relational, and it's very creative. And again, there's lots more ideas that can help spur your own ideas. But I thought, rather than sitting here and reading a bunch of lists of different creative ideas to try to spur something for you, um, and since Advent is the season where we keep reminding each other that Christmas is all about Jesus, I thought, let's look at the Scripture and the story of Jesus, and see if we can't pick up a few clues about what creative giving would look like from how God gave to us, right? Let's look at the gift of Jesus to us and see if we can't come up with some, some ideas that, that help us frame what creative giving might look like. So let's go real quickly here to a very familiar verse. John 3.16, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? God loved, God gave. And we all know this, right? Jesus is a gift. God loved this world and gave us the gift of Jesus. And I just started wondering, like, how could that help frame how you and I then give gifts to other people? Like ways that reflect the creativity, the grace of God, the love of God, the generosity of God, the, the joy of God when he gave us Jesus. And, and I thought, well, let's just connect this back to the original story of Christmas, See, because looking at the gift of Christmas can help us with the kind of gifts that we give to other people. And there's just a few words that, that, that seem to pop out here. Um, God's gift was relational. God's gift of Jesus was personal. And God's gift of Jesus was also sacrificial. And so just even thinking about those categories, I think, can help us as we determine how we give gifts to other people. Relational, make it personal, make it sacrificial. So look at the first one here real quick. Um, relationally, right? Uh, giving relationally. This means really to give your presence, the presence of you uh, with someone else. In the book of Matthew, we read how Matthew reaches back to a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7. And in chapter 1 of Matthew, it's a very familiar verse for many of us. Uh, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? God with us, not apart from us, not away from us, not distant from us. God is with us. That's what the word Emmanuel means, with us. And so the very first thing that, that, that I think we can notice here is that the gift, Jesus, the gift of Jesus is a gift of God's presence, that he's with us in a tangible, unique way. And, and at Christmas, we get to see God moving in close. Now, the Gospel of John talks about uh, Jesus coming in a very cool way. When Jesus came to earth, John chapter 1 says, and the word, Jesus, became flesh, God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the message version, I love how the message version translates it and says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> I love that, right? God came near, he moved into the neighborhood, he gave us the gift of his presence, no longer way out there, he was now with us here. And again, just started thinking about how are some of the ways that we can offer our presence to others. And I have a couple ideas. And, and so I want to start kind of way out here on the broader scope and we'll get to a narrower scope in a minute. But, but let's start on the wider circles of our life. What does it look like to give presence or relationally to you know, people that you just run into once in a while or maybe new folks um, that, that, that you meet here at church? Um, and I think it's important for us to, to think about how we can give the gift of presence to people around us, even not just the closest people to us, but those um, that we encounter in life, because um, we live in a very lonely nation. So the gift of presence and relationship is crucial. There was a New York Times uh, survey that was done a couple of years ago, a very broad, wide survey large-scale deal, and it showed that most Americans, most Americans suffer, at least at some level, from loneliness. One in five Americans feel lonely all the time. And some people, some Americans in this study, on some level, they even wonder about the depths of the relationships they do have. Most, the higher percentage, um, wondered about, you know, if they understood the depth of the relationships they actually do have, which you know, feels awfully lonely as well. Now, I might be talking about somebody completely different. Maybe this doesn't apply to you at all. But here's the truth. Whether you feel this or not, we have a lot of loneliness in our world. And the upshot of this article was, was the conclusion that many people, they're just looking to belong somewhere. They're looking for community and they didn't talk about, well, you can find community at a church, but of course, that's where we here begin to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's what God came near, made us the body of Christ so we could offer his love and presence to the world around us. Like part of what we're designed to do as a church is to be present and offer presence to people around us and maybe alleviate some of the loneliness in our world because people want to belong. They want to belong. And this is nothing new. It's not just unique to American culture or our, or our society today. Uh, God knew this, and that's why he came near in Jesus. That's why he gave us the gift of his presence. Emmanuel came near so that for all time, the, the homelessness that we feel in our hearts, the loneliness in our hearts could be alleviated, that he could give us a place to belong, 
that he could give us himself to belong to, uh, the family of God to be a part of. And again, that's a part of what God has put us here as a church to do. And friends, I think there's some ways we do that great, and I think there's other ways God's growing us as well. But we have such a great advantage here at Hope because we're not quite big enough for you just to like disappear in and out the doors. I mean, you can if you're really sly. If you're really good, you can slip in and out and like not talk to anybody. You can pull that off, right? Um, in larger contexts, that's pretty normal. You might go months before you see the same person or sit by the same person again. But we have an advantage that we can build on because we can actually look around and see people and begin to connect with people and offer the gift of our presence, which is a part of the presence that God extends to us. I mean, the truth is, there's real practical ways to do this. There, there, there might be somebody sitting just a few seats away from where you're at right now that feels very lonely this morning. And, and um, one way we could begin to do this is for us to, you know, come near to someone. Um, in fact, I'll just say it this way. I think this could start a beautiful revolution in our church family in a good way. And it would spread beyond our walls for sure. But for now, just to even think about starting here at Hope. If we did this one thing, um, it would change our church for uh, even better. As great a church as this is, it could get even better. And it could spread outside of our walls this one thing. And this one thing that we could do and begin to practice intentionally is hospitality. In one word, it's hospitality. Right? It's simply when you invite someone into your home or to a table for a meal. And we talked about this in the Bless series this fall. We, we share a meal with people. We, we give the gift of presence to someone. Um, so like, what if today even, what if today before you left this building, you had a chance to look in the eye of someone else here and simply say, hey, um, some of us are going to go grab lunch. You want to join us? Or somebody that's in a small group uh, says, hey, to someone that you just met or, or no, they're kind of here and you're not sure if they're connected. And what if you said, hey, we've got a small group that meets on whatever night. You want to come check it out? Or some of you said, hey, I'm serving in this team at the church and we sure could use some other folks. You want to come serve with us? Or, or hey, there's a Bible study Sundays after church and there's another one uh, Monday nights here at Hope. You, you want to come? Do you want to come? You want to connect with people and be with some people um, in the women's groups that happen or the events that we do and the bonfire Wednesday? Like, what if? What if we were just bold enough to offer that question to invite someone to connect in, in community. I mean, I just think that would be an amazing thing. I think it will be an amazing thing. When we begin to do that, when, when that becomes so natural for us, right? That, that, and there's a few of you that do it really well, but what if it just became sort of the normal way we welcome people? Like, like more and more of us do this, and, and, and can you imagine what will happen when we do that? How that will change the depth of the culture of our relationships here at Hope, and, and we'll feel more and more like a family, that like God offered to us when he gave us his presence with us, we can offer our presence to be with others and alleviate some of that loneliness, that presence that we can offer. It's huge. It's huge. And we can offer that really to a lot of people. They don't have to just be the people close to us that we know already. It can be something that we offer to a wider circle of people. Here's another kind of relational, intentional 
gift of presence. When, when we are with other people, what if we offer this gift? The gift of listening. What if we offer a gift of listening? And I don't have time to do this one justice. We could do a whole like, series of, of messages on what it means to really listen. Because listening is a difficult thing to do. And part of that, uh, I think, is what makes it a gift to actually like, take the intention to offer to someone uh, in a way your listening that's a gift, right? Now, pastors, we are pretty notoriously bad about this, right? I confess that Far too many times, especially years and years ago, when I've met with people, rather than focusing on and listening to someone, giving them space to process, we pastors, we just talk way too much, okay? Um, We think we're being helpful by spouting off answers. Oh, that's what they've come to see me for, right? We sometimes drone on and on and on. Um, But when we stop talking, any of us, just stop talking and take time to listen, to actually listen, to, to take time and let someone say what's on their heart and mind. And there's actually some tools and some ways that we can actually help people. We can listen even better by not just asking a good question, but there's ways that we can help call that out, um, but it's a gift, right? To listen to someone without trying to think about what I'm going to say next. Actually listening. <laughs> to listen to someone without, you know, having, you know, this track in my head of the big answers or the big advice. I'm going to give them some advice here. No, no, no. Just, just listen. Just listen. To just listen is a huge gift. The gift of listening. Just try that with somebody this week. Now. Some of you might be like, okay, great, the, the gift of listening or the gift of inviting somebody out, wonderful, that's fantastic. But Doug, I was really hoping that you were going to help me here because I got some gifts to buy. You know, there's only a few shopping days left, so how are we going to, you know, buy presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, for the people in my life? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, what does it mean for us? Let's ask it this way, if you're asking the question about well, what's this mean for the gifts I buy. What's it mean to give more to the people that we are already close to? What's it mean to give more to the family members? We got to buy a gift, right, for a family member, a gift for a loved one, you know, gifts for our friends, gifts, gifts for people that are close to us, you know, gifts, really important gifts, like gifts for your pastor, right? I mean, it's just, let's, just seeing if you're awake, just kidding, just kidding. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so here's just a tangible way that this could look to get creative and relational and personal. Um, Here's just a couple that I heard, a couple ideas that I thought were wonderful. Uh, There was a dad in one of these Advent conspiracy churches. He purchased cooking lessons for him and for his daughter. They both enjoy cooking, so they wanted to do it together. And what a great idea. Right? That's going to build relationship. That's a relational gift for sure. That is giving your presence. And it's going to take more time than just ordering something, having the box rip open, and there's some more stuff. Um, Here's a great one from a younger kid. There's a 13-year-old teenager gave his younger cousin, right? You always know who the cool cousin is, right? The the older cousin, everybody wants to be like the older cousin. Anybody have a family like that? You want to be like the cool older cousin? Well, this cool older cousin gave the younger cousin a Rubik's Cube. And because they live six hours apart, he included uh, a set of uh, instructions for them to do lessons via FaceTime so he can help the younger cousin learn, you know, step by step how to solve the Rubik's Cube. I mean, that I thought, again, just really creative and personal relationship building. 
See, and again, when we build relationships with people, when we keep our gift giving personal, we are reflecting the very heart of Jesus. I mean, think back to, think back to what the angel said when the, the, the birth of Jesus was announced. The angel said, the Savior has been born to you. The Savior has been born to you. I mean, that is personal, right? And the gift of Jesus continued to be personal all through his life. He, yes, yes, sometimes he taught in front of massive crowds. But if you read through the story of his life, Jesus was very personal. Just look through some of his interactions in the Gospels and pay attention how Jesus treats people. He, he is very personal. He never leaves people behind. If you read the stories of the life of Jesus, you'll see that he actually does the kind of stuff that people who are important and in a hurry never get to do. Jesus stops. He's interrupted. He picks up little kids. He listens to old ladies. He shows compassion for the suffering. He laughs with people that are having a great time and he goes to parties. Jesus pays attention. He makes things personal. And so I think in following the example of Jesus, right, we can make our gift giving very personal. Because it, it shows that we're thinking about someone. Like, oh, I saw this. I was thinking of you. I wanted this to be personal. And so we make our gifts personal, right? Uh, Heidi and a couple of friends have been making gifts this week. She's like really dove into this Advent conspiracy thing. And um, yesterday she was baking like crazy. And I'm going to tell you, Heidi's not in here. So uh, I'll tell you a little secret about my wife that she'd be okay with. Um, you might not know this, but until we got married about four years ago, she didn't really cook or bake, but she's been learning because she wants to bless people. And yesterday she got Aaron to help her and, and they um, baked like crazy and Aaron's the one that helped her because, you know, I was really busy finishing this sermon. So <laughs> there's my gift to you, my sermon. You're welcome. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. But again, just baking something, making some things for people that are very specific and personal. Heard a great story about a woman who was trying to think of what personal relational gift she could give her family and her mother. And her mother uh, has Alzheimer's, and she says, you guys, if you're in a situation like this, you know there's good days, there's bad days. On the good days, everything's great, and there's conversation and memory and lots of wonderful things. And, and uh, she said it hit her as she was reading the other ideas of what people were going to do. It hit her that what she would do is that her mom was a great cook, and on the next good day that mom had... She's going to write down the recipes. While mom could remember on the good day, she's going to write those recipes down so that she could then make those dishes for her mom and pass them to the families. What a great, creative, unforgettable gift. Or, or how about uh, this one pastor couple? He, his wife, um, her dad passed away, like way too young, passed away way too young. And one Christmas, um, soon after, um, this young lady, the pastor's wife, um, her mom made her a gift. And what she made was a pillow out of her dad's ties. And her dad used to wear a tie all the time, all the time he had ties on. And the mom made a pillow out of this tie. And she said it was so amazing because she could smell her dad's cologne still. So there's so many ways to do this. There's so many ways 
to give gifts that are relational and personal. And again, God loved the world. He loved us so much that he was relational and personal. He gave the gift of Jesus to us. But there's one more thing that I want to mention about the gift of Jesus to us is that the gift of Jesus was relational, it was personal, but it was also sacrificial. It cost God something, didn't it? It costs. Jesus was a sacrificial gift. You can look at Philippians chapter 2. I'll just have it up on the screen here, um, and you can read that this week. But you think about Jesus coming to earth. He was used to being worshipped and adored in heaven. He gave all that up to live amongst us. He gave that up so he could be insulted and disrespected. The God of the universe put up with all that mistreatment because of his great love for us. And not only did he lower himself in every way, but he sacrificed himself. Like the nice thing about being God, I would think, is you don't have to worry about dying. (laughs) But he chose it out of love. He sacrificed for you and for me. His love cost him something. And the gift of Jesus was very sacrificial. Now, some of you might wonder, wait a minute, Doug, are you saying I'm supposed to (laughs) give to somebody? Like, I'm supposed to die, right? I'm supposed to... Uh, no, no, no. But, but think about what sacrifice could look like in your own relationships, in your own families, personally. Like sometimes I think actually giving sacrificially to someone, and I don't mean necessarily giving lots of money, giving sacrificially in other ways might feel like death. And sometimes when we give sacrificially, you might think I'd rather die than give or do that. And some of you might know what I'm getting at here because if there's a broken relationship that you need to mend, you might think, oh, no, 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 no. It's been way too long. It's way too hard. That other person, they have never said they're sorry. They haven't even made a move. Forget it. But what if? What if giving sacrificially meant dying to our pride and our ego and taking a step towards a person? Now, for a very small percentage of you, that you might be in an abusive or unhealthy relationship. I'm not talking about reengaging that, okay? But for the rest of us, what would it look like to lay down that offense and move towards that other person, to mend relationships, particularly family or friendships that have gotten sideways? And I'm guessing there's someone or someones here that are like, "Uh uh-uh, I'd rather die than do that. But when you think of the gift of Christmas, and you think, how could I give more than I ever dreamed? What would happen if you gave that gift of listening to someone who you are at odds with? And did it not to try to sort out who's right or wrong or why they're wrong and you're right, but to make peace, to stop arguing, to remember what you care about most with your friend or your family member. That kind of sacrificial giving might simply look like walking across the room, owning your stuff, taking a drive with somebody, taking a walk with that family member, um, getting face-to-face with them. By the way, don't email this stuff, okay? Don't do this over email. Um, but get together 
talk, listen. Set aside trying to argue over the issue. Maybe even look for ways to take ownership of ways that you might have been dishonoring or, or, or defensive or offensive to. Because listen, friends, all that division, all that strife, all that anger, all that bitterness, all that unforgiveness, Jesus took all of that division, all that hatred on himself, and he died in our place so that, so that things could be right between God and us and that things could be right between me and you. Between you and your loved ones and friends, Jesus died for that very, very thing. So when I say we give sacrificially, I don't mean that we die a physical death, but there might be some other ways that we need to die or sacrifice or let go of that even feel like death. But listen to me, hear me. It might lead to renewed relationships. It might actually lead, that sacrificial gift might lead to life, which is a higher gift. Is there somebody that you need to go to and, and say, ah, all right, I need to make it right between us. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to make it right between us? You, you, you might ask them, I want, I want to know because I want to make our relationship right. I don't want to have this thing between us anymore. I'm tired of it. Might not even agree with you, but can we get rid of all this junk that's between us? And then shut up and listen. <laughs> to what they might have to say. See, giving that way, giving sacrificially, that might be the hardest one, huh? Might be the hardest one. But it would result and could result for many of us in brand new beginnings. Fresh start. A life without all this junk that we're carrying around. And you could start to live without the regrets of what's gonna happen if that person, if I never see him again. So giving these gifts, yeah, they're relational, they're personal, but there are some sacrificial ways that we can give as well. Um, Here, give me a fun one. I'm gonna, I'm, that, that was pretty heavy, so I'm going to end on a fun one here, okay? Uh, you can also give in sacrificial ways that, that might just be inconvenience. Like, it's sacrificial, but it's, it's just inconvenient, right? Um, Vicki here at, at, uh, at Hope, she gave a great gift to her daughter, to Brittany and Dalton and the two fun boys that were down here. Um, she gave this great gift as grandma. She said, all right. 12 times, so once a month next year, I'm taking the kids, I'm gonna take them overnight at my house, you guys can have a date night, have a night free of screaming and yelling, I mean, of, of uh, you know, lots of romance, whatever. Um, what a great gift, what a great gift. Now, Vicki did say, hey, tell people, grandpa and grandma, if you're gonna do that, like, have some parameters, because, you know, the night, you know, the sleepover the night before, suddenly, if they're getting dropped off at noon, that might be a little longer in the day than you, than you want, but... Um, uh, so throw those parameters in there. But what a, great, what a great way to, you know, okay, it's inconvenient for her. It's inconvenient for her. Some of you guys, um, and my wife's not in here, but I just remembered that the speaker's not in there, so I can't give up my gift. Um, I was going to swear you all to secrecy, but uh, there might be something that your wife really enjoys doing, and it might be a little inconvenient or not your favorite thing to do. So 
there might be a clue how you can give sacrificially this Christmas. Send me emails. Uh, wives, you can send me emails too, and I can make suggestions to your husband, but that'll cost you, so all right? Um, that'll cost you. But friends, in all of these ways, I don't want this stuff to sound overwhelming. Um, it will take a risk. You know, it's easier sometimes just to order gifts and give, 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 and overspend, and whew, it's all done, and everybody forgets it, but at least it's over with. But I'm telling you what, if you take the risk to try to give in some of these other creative, relational, personal, sacrificial ways, you, we're talking amazing changes that could happen in your family, in your life. And so I just want to encourage you, like, will you take the risk? Will you take the risk and give some gifts this way this year? Or maybe it's too late because you're one of those people that I can't stand because you already have your Christmas shopping done. Just jealous, just jealous. No, um, Think of how you can use this for giving gifts at birthdays and other times. Again, relational, personal, sacrificial. Because here's the deal. When we give like Jesus models for us, yeah, somebody might think, well, that was a dumb idea. But I think more likely what happens is that the grace of God drips all over your good heart to, to build relationship to bless other people, and the grace of God comes all around that stuff, and you might just be shocked at the impact that your gift, when you give in that way, in these other creative ways, you might be shocked at what God might do for that. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to have you guys stand. Did you notice we didn't do our community break earlier? No, really, all of you, go ahead and stand. We're right up against the time that we like to be done, but that's okay. You're going to give me the gift of five minutes. Um, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. Um, I just want, and I know some of you are scared and you're going to run out the door, okay? Um, that's fine. That's fine. But how we're going to release is, if I look at that clock, it says 10.54. I just, as many of you as would, would you just hang around until 11 before you go out the doors? Would you just hang around until 11? Um, and would you spend these next five minutes or so uh, saying hello to someone? And maybe if you're really brave, you can give the gift of presence to them. Maybe some of the things that we talked about earlier where you go, hey, you want to go grab lunch or, or can we go get coffee or, 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 or if you go, I don't know my calendar, I don't know what to do, then ask, ask a great question like, um, hey, who's coming over for Christmas? Um, what are you doing for Christmas? Are you going somewhere? What, you know, just ask some questions and, and give the gift of presence to one another uh, right here in the room. And then at 11 o'clock, I'm not even going to dismiss you. You just leave. Um, and I'm going to hang around and see who leaves just to see who really cares. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I won't keep track. But let me pray, and then I'm going to have you guys greet each other. So, God, thank you. Thank you that we actually can learn by looking at Jesus what it looks like to give more in ways that are impactful and powerful, in ways that honor you, in ways that represent you. So I pray for creativity for those of us that are still working out our gift giving for this Christmas season. And I pray that whether we have our shopping done or not, that, that even right now this morning, some of us would be able to give the gift of presence to one another, to be with each other. In Jesus' name, I bless my brothers and sisters. Amen.